You're listening to AIB Market Talk, bringing you financial market insights from AIB's experts. Hello and welcome to our AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 20th of February 2024. I'm Jane Kavner from our Corporate Treasury Desk and I am joined this week by AIB's Senior Economist John Fahey to discuss the date in the past week, how it has impacted the outlook for interest rates and of course the effect it has had on the currencies. Uh, John, before we look in some depth to interest rates and currencies, we might just kick off the podcast looking back to last week where it was really all about the UK and indeed headlined your weekly brief. UK data paint a muddled picture of the economy. So take us through the muddled, if not muddy, picture, please. Yeah, as you say, it was a, it was a lot of focus on the UK last week, and, and that's because we got so much uh, data out in the early part of the week. We got labour market data. Uh, then uh, as the week progressed, we got inflation data. Uh, and then towards the end of the week, we got GDP data. Uh, so starting off, I suppose, with the one that uh, kind of grabs the most headlines normally is, is GDP, and that was for quarter four. And what that showed was a quarterly contraction of minus 0.3% in the quarter. And because that followed a quarterly contraction in Q3, it means that the UK entered a technical recession in the second half of last year. And for the full year overall, growth was roughly minus 0.1%. So in other words, UK economy was, was stagnant last year. So even if it didn't enter a technical recession and hit that benchmark, for the year overall, you know, not much happened in the UK economy in terms of, from a growth viewpoint, very muted picture. Now, net, net though, if you think where we were this time last year and where the Bank of England was in terms of its expectations, uh, it was for uh, pencil in much stronger contraction in the UK economy. So, so versus uh, expectations 12 months ago, uh, the UK economy perform, has performed better than expected last year. Uh, but in absolute terms for the UK itself, uh, there was very little growth. It was broadly stagnant growth. But then on the other side, you see the labour market continues to put in a strong performance. Employment growth is held up uh, and the unemployment rate for Q4 uh, fell unexpectedly to 3.8%. Uh, now, I think with both those data sets, uh, with the Q4 GDP data, uh, you wouldn't uh, be surprised if it was some revisions to that, potentially upward revisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and similarly, there does seem to be an issue with that unemployment rate and the Bank of England has called this out themselves in terms of the measurements around it. So it's not to say that in a few weeks uh, when we get updated figures uh, that we don't get revisions from that. Uh, But overall, what you can say for the UK economy uh, from a growth viewpoint was that the UK experienced very little growth last year. uh, And from a labour market viewpoint, uh, conditions there still remain tight. So even if the unemployment rate isn't as low as is currently been estimated by the ONS, it still is at, at very low levels uh, overall and then bringing that together what it means from the inflation picture uh, well we got the first inflation update for january last week and it showed that headline inflation uh, at four percent uh, so that was slightly lower than expected uh, which was meant to come in at 4.2 uh, but core inflation remained at 5.1 and, and bigger picture uh, what it shows is that uh, when you compare the uk economy to the eurozone in the us uh, inflation in the uk has been slower to fall back and that core rate uh, is still uh, very high Okay, thanks, John. And then stateside, I suppose also we had some mixed data there, I guess, looking at inflation and uh, then to the data that came out through retail sales and what was it, uh, industrial figures as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the focus in the early part of the week was on the inflation numbers. Now, they came in higher than expected. Uh, So headline inflation printed in terms of the CPI measure at 3.1%. The expectation was for 2.9%, whereas core uh, also came in 
higher than expected, 3.9 versus expectations for 3.7. And that did generate a bit of a reaction on, on markets. We saw uh, the dollar firm, we saw a uh, firming in, in, in rate expectations for the US, uh, bond yields move higher and, and equity markets fall off. So we did see a reaction uh, to that CPI data. Uh, but interestingly, uh, as we got towards the end of the week, uh, we did see uh, first kind of real data disappointments in the US uh, on a year-to-date basis. Uh, both retail sales and industrial production uh, surprised to the downside of expectations. And this is something we're going to be paying close attention uh, to this year because for all of last year, uh, US economy uh, outperformed versus the Eurozone in the UK, but also outperformed versus expectations. If you look at the uh, economic surprise indices, you know, for the majority of last year, uh, you know, you had the uh, US economy uh, continuing to beat consensus. So we look ahead to this year and we think that as we move through the year, the data may struggle to beat expectations uh, and may start to disappoint. So we saw some initial signs of that last week uh, with those retail sales data for January and industrial production. Uh, so we just look over the next couple of months to see whether uh, you know US outperformance continues or if we start to see some, some slippage in the data there. And our view would be that we may start to see uh, some loss momentum in the UK economies as we move through 2024 uh, and some downward surprises versus expectations. Thanks, John. That kind of brings us on to interest rates very, very neatly because I saw what the market seemed to be pricing in is the Fed, uh, cuts in the Fed amounting to about 90 basis points, but more so in the EC- from the ECB this year with 100 basis points. So talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, I mentioned there the CPI data last week from the US did generate a bit of reaction on markets. Uh, and, you know, if you think uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, we've had the three main central banks from our perspective, uh, the ECB, the Fed uh, and the BOE uh, all meeting. Uh, and all three of them, uh, you know, left policy uh, on hold. They're in a neutral policy stance now. But what you can see from all three is that they are moving towards the point uh, of rate cuts. The question is uh, for markets is when is this going to happen and what is the magnitude of these rate cuts going to be? Now, interestingly, in their meetings over the last couple of uh, weeks, both the Fed and the BOE dropped their tightening bias uh, as in their uh, guidance that they could raise rates again. So they are moving towards that position of rate cuts. But the uncertainty is uh, when are they going to cut rates? So we've seen a bit of volatility on uh, rate expectations, which is reflected in futures contracts. Uh, and we got that last week. So our reference there, when that CPI print from the US came out stronger than expected, uh, we saw futures contracts firm. So what does that mean? Well, the market started to price in less rate cuts from the Fed. So you referenced there 90 basis points. Uh, if you think back to the start of the month, uh, in terms of US expectations, uh, there was as much as a, about 125 basis points priced in. Uh, so the market is more reactive to the data because we don't get specific forward guidance from the central banks now on when they're going to change policy. What we know is they're moving towards uh, a rate easing cycle, but we don't know when. So key data releases such as labor market updates and inflation updates are going to cause quite a reaction on markets. So at the moment, the market's priced in around 90 base points, as you say. The Fed themselves are, are guiding 75 basis points. Uh, so the markets move closer uh, to the Fed's own projections. Uh, and in terms of timing, at the moment, the market's got the first rate cut uh, priced in from June from the Fed. OK, and then the ECB, we mentioned about 100 basis points. There was kind of mixed messages coming last week, though, wasn't there? There Was there a somewhat dovish view from the French and Spanish central banks versus a more hawkish Lagarde? 
Yeah, so you're getting like all the respective central bank heads, obviously, uh, you know, in terms of where they are. Now, when the central bank does move, what we don't, what we do know from the ECB is that, you know, they are moving towards the point uh, of, of rate cutting. They haven't really discussed it in any great detail yet. Uh, and, you know, similar to the, in terms of where the market sees the Fed uh, around the timing, the first rate cut from the ECB is priced in around June time. Uh, now, the market's priced in about uh, 100 base points of cuts uh, from the ECB this year. Uh, so the market thinks that you may get more rate cuts from the ECB compared to the Fed uh, and the Bank of England. And that's because data this year from the Eurozone, in terms of the early data and early early lead indicators, such as the PMIs, have continued to show weakness. So the market's viewing that uh, of all those three central banks, uh, the ECB may be the most uh, aggressive uh, in terms of rate cuts. Uh, and it's pricing in 100 base points at the moment. So we think uh, as we move kind of through Q1 into Q2 uh, and those uh, next couple of central bank meetings, uh, we should get some more firm kind of indications from the ECB as to when they make cut rates. But at the moment, the market's got the first cut priced in for June and it's got rates uh, lower by 100 base points by the end of the year. Now, similarly, though, uh, you know, that's not as much as what was priced in at the start of the month. Uh, so generally speaking, there's been a firming in rate contracts uh, across the board where the market started to expect less in terms of rate cuts. So there's about 25 basis points less of rate cuts priced in now than there was at the start of the month. Yeah, so I suppose then, John, just in summary, because it has been a bit of a seesaw, the ECB, the first cut in June 24 and 100 basis points uh, priced in this year, bringing it down to about 3%. The Fed, we're looking at the first cut in 24 May, June, really. Uh, 90 basis points of cuts bringing their rate to what about four, four and a half mids, basically. Um, and then the Bank of England, we're not looking for a first cut until August of this year and 65 basis points bringing their rate down to around the 4.6 level or thereabouts. Just turning the dial towards the terminal right now, and I know this is a massive caveat that you're going out kind of three years, John, for these. But again, ECB, Fed and Bank of England, what are we looking at? Yeah, so so and obviously just to go back there, Bank of England, there's less cuts priced in there at the moment because obviously, as we referenced, uh, inflation in the UK is 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 much higher than elsewhere in very tight labor market conditions. Uh, but as I said as well, there's a lot of volatility in futures contracts because we don't have that forward guidance from central banks. So looking one year ahead, we've seen a lot of uh, volatility in pricing. But further out over three years, what you can say in terms of where the market is, uh, and this has moved around a little bit. But a lot of the volatility has been in year one in terms of the degree and timing of cuts. But where the market sees the uh, ECB deposit rate settling is somewhere in the region of two to two and a half percent. For the Bank of England, it's in around three and a quarter, three and a half percent. And it's something similar for the US by the end of 26 in terms of where it sees rates uh, settling in. So obviously, key takeaway from that is, uh, you know, rates don't get back down where the market expects uh, where they were previously. So we do see rate cuts uh, over the next couple of years, but we don't get back to the levels of where they were uh, before the tightening cycle that happened over two years ago commenced. Uh, so it's it's rates uh, lower, but not to the same degree as what markets have been used to over the last 10 years. Gotcha, thanks. So moving on to the currencies then, my favourite subject, the dollar, obviously. We now have less cuts priced in, John, as we've talked about this year from the Fed than the ECB. So are the markets scaling back their expectations then in terms of the weakness of the dollar that we have been looking at or that the market have been looking at? Yeah, well, I suppose over the last 12 months plus, you know, the dollar has held the upper hand because the Fed was the most aggressive in terms of its pace of rate hikes. 
Uh, and then even though last year it started to slow that down, uh, you know, what helped the dollar was the fact that the US economy continued to outperform uh, versus elsewhere. But if you look at the actual trading ranges on a year to date basis, you know, we started the year just above 110 and the low was just below 107. Uh, and that's been the low point. And that 107 level, apart from a brief test below it last week after that US CPI data came out, uh, that 107 level uh, has been the low point uh, for, for, for euro dollar this year. And in fact, uh, you know, as we start trading uh, in the early days of this week, you know, euro dollar has been back up in the upper half of the 107 to 108 range. So that's a key level to look out for if there is in the near term. So the potential in the near term is for further uh, dollar strength uh, because, you know, the US continues to outperform versus elsewhere. Uh, but we think as the year progresses, you could start to see US data start to disappoint versus expectations. And that would be new news for the market. The market's been used to over the last 12 to 18 months of US economic outperformance. Uh, it's used to the Eurozone underperforming. Uh, but over the next couple of quarters, if US data does start to disappoint, uh, then we would have some slight upward bias in our euro dollar forecast now it's not huge we don't expect any major breakout of trading ranges but we do expect uh you know over the course of this year maybe to get back up towards 110 and you know 110 is the high watermark for euro dollar at the moment uh, at a couple of stages last year we traded above it but we didn't break above it so you know that's what we look for this year in terms of any upside in euro dollars the year progresses is can the pair break above that 110 level uh, and from a euro sterling viewpoint what we saw last year was very narrow uh, range trading and we've seen it in the early part of this year again you know basically been in an 85 to 87p trading range and as we move through the year uh, we don't expect any major change or breakout of that trading range a midpoint of 86 to 87p uh, over the next couple of quarters yeah it looks very very range bent as cable yeah, so in terms of cable, it's it's a similar trajectory to what we see in our euro dollar pair. So we would have some slight downward bias uh, for the dollar this year and reflected in the fact that we have an upward bias for the euro dollar pair. And similarly, we have a slight upward bias for cable. But as I said, because all the main central banks are likely to be cutting interest rate this year, uh, there's not a huge differentiating determining factor in terms of interest rate differentials there uh, but we would have some uh, upward bias for cable because we think us data may start to disappoint this year so in terms of where we are at the moment levels you know cables trading close to 126 we see it getting up maybe towards 127 128 uh, over the course of this year but similar to euro dollar and, uh, and euro sterling you know still fairly narrow uh, range bound trading there now that's not to say we don't get volatility within that but the overall breadth of those ranges uh, trading ranges we still think to be fairly confined okay um john just one last question there uh from one of our listeners actually you might just comment on the outlook for euro yen even um looking at it earlier it was only a few figures off still what about a 10 year higher thereabouts do you think the euro has had its day and it will retreat or does this have more to go uh, so, well, in, in terms of euro yen, obviously on a year-to-date basis, uh, we've seen the yen uh, weaken. You know, you've seen uh, all the main currencies against the yen trade higher. You know, euro yen's up uh, around four percent. We, you know, we started the year close to one fifty-six, uh, and we're now above one sixty-one. Similar in terms of uh, dollar yen, we started the year just below one forty-one, and we're now close to to one fifty. So, uh, a big issue for the yen is that. You know, the Bank of Japan, in contrast to the other main central banks, what we've talked about, uh, is still implementing a, an ultra accommodative monetary policy stance. Uh, and the markets had last year started to expect uh, that the yen uh, or that the Bank of Japan would start to tighten policy over the course of this year. It was disappointed in the early part of this year in terms of communications from the Bank of Japan. 
uh, and you know the updates from them poured cold water on the idea that they were near uh, to start to move out of that negative interest rate strategy. Uh, but we think as, as the year progresses, you know that will be new news for the market that the Bank of Japan will start to change policy uh, and will start to reverse from that ultra dovish uh, policy stance. Uh, so on that basis, uh, you know, we see euro yen and dollar yen start to move lower over the course of the year because uh, the Bank of Japan will uh, start to reverse course on that policy. But again, that outlook is all dependent uh, on the Bank of Japan starting to move away from that ultra dovish and ultra accommodative monetary policy stance. Okay, really quick look to next week, John. Not a huge amount in the calendar with President's Day yesterday and a light US calendar ahead. Anything in particular we're looking out for? Uh, from a data viewpoint, uh, the PMIs, flash PMIs for February out from the US, the Eurozone and the UK. So these are always uh, useful early indicators of how those economies are performing. They're high frequency. We get them on a monthly basis. Uh, so that's a key release. It might not draw a lot of attention from a market viewpoint, uh, but in terms of what it tells you about those economies, that's important. Uh, and aside from that, on the central bank front, we've got the ECB meeting account. Uh, we've got the Fed minutes, uh, and uh, as we get underway uh, today, we have the uh, Bank of England testimony uh, before uh, the Treasury Select Committee. So all the three main central banks do provide some form of updates uh, this week, so they're important things to keep an eye out for. John, that's brilliant. I think we might wrap it up there for this podcast with rather a lot in it. And thanks indeed for the comprehensive update and a big thanks also to all our listeners for joining us on our podcast. Please keep your questions coming in. As always, to stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. AIB NI is a trademark used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC. Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC. Authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.